How about we start with, um, I, I think this is always an awesome cre uh, question. How did you guys meet um, and what was dating like and uh, how did you propose? What's the story of you guys meeting? Um, I think we, we met at church and um, we, I proposed in, in a restaurant in Hawthorne and uh, we, um, we, were, we were friends sort of in a, in a uh, church community um, and we didn't really date for long but we were engaged for a very long time, for about 19 months and um, yeah, Jenny, I, I kind of knew Jenny's family and so that was a big uh, thing for me. It's like, okay, I need to, need to meet this girl's family. So I, I had a good understanding of her mum and dad and brother and sisters, and yeah, that kind of helped me a lot. Yeah, I was pretty young when um, we first, I got engaged when I was 18, so yeah, pretty young. Um, and then I was 20 when we were married, 21 when we had our son, 20 when we had the twin girls. So, yeah, three children under two and a half, pretty quick. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing was we were both really surrendered to God. That was a key thing. We'd both really surrendered to God. Dan um, was in leadership in the church, um, in small group leadership. Um, yeah, and my family were in the church, so yeah, he got to know my family really well. My parents were real servants. Um, yeah. I'm going to tell you a bit of a funny story. I, um, I'd been away from my church for a little while. My dad was the local minister, and uh, I'd been away at university, and I came back, and some mates got together with me, and they said... Um, they said, why don't we, there was a church camp on that weekend, and they said, why don't we cycle out to the church camp? I thought, yeah, great idea. So we got up early on one Saturday morning, and we rode into this church camp. And of course, um, I don't know how many of you do a lot of cycling, but um, it always takes longer to cycle somewhere than you think it's going to. And so we arrived a little bit after breakfast was kind of being cleared up, and there were four of us, and we all marched into the, into the dining room, and there were these four girls um, kind of doing breakfast, if you like, and cleaning up afterwards. And they saw these four blokes who they hadn't seen before and they thought, oh, gee, we'd better look after these blokes. And so they cooked us a beautiful breakfast. Um, and we kind of looked at each other and went, they think we're new to church. Like, they don't know who we are. Uh, so we played the game with them. And that's how I got to know Wendy. We, uh, I didn't see her again for quite a while and uh, we were at a, um, there was a, one of those, like a Billy Graham crusade, but it wasn't Billy Graham, who was it? It was... Uh, it, it's someone Lace these Ford. guys yeah, are too guy. young to yeah. know about. A, a crusade kind of thing and, and uh, um, one of the girls in church uh, saved a seat for me next to Wendy and made sure I sat next to her and got invited back to her house and stuff. So we were kind of introduced add to that story um so yeah we went out together for a couple of years and i guess part of our story is um we fell into temptation and i fell pregnant and uh we got married 
I mean, fortunately, we were committed to each other. We wanted to be married, but we probably should have um, been much more careful with the boundaries in our relationship, and we probably should have actually committed to each other earlier on than, you know, we've been going out for quite a long time. So, you know, that was sort of the foundation of our marriage. So, An Angela was our baby. Um, and I would say our story is one of great grace from God. Um, you know, going through that crisis really put us in a place of, you know, if we're going to do this marriage well and serve God, we, we'd come to the end of ourselves. We hadn't had a good start and, uh, you know, we wanted to commit to trusting him and giving over our family to him and the rest of our lives and so it was a big thing of relying on God definitely not the recommended way to begin marriage um, but yeah we were certainly in a church where we had a lot of love and forgiveness and support from our families um, yeah so that's a basic story of our marriage I appreciate how open you are because oh, sorry I appreciate how you are, how open you are about that. Um, yeah, about that that um, the fact that you fell pregnant before you're married. You know, you know that that can be. Yeah, I mean that's that's something that we know in the Bible. That's very clear. That that you know, and it's, appreciate that. I'm sure a lot of people appreciated that you could be open about that um, because it's, it's it's a very taboo topic. Um, but thank you for that. Nicole, do you have a question? Yes. Um, what do you think the purpose of marriage is? And before you answer, um, we're going to pop up a qu uh, phone number. Oh, it's already up there. Sorry. Yeah. You guys know the drill, so I don't have to go. So, lots of <laughs> <laughs> so what's the purpose of marriage? The, um, well, <coughs> excuse me, um, yeah, love, love that um, vulnerability there. Uh, it's sort of hard to transition to something else, but... Um, um, yeah, I think um, purpose of marriage, but just kind of before I get there, just thinking about what's just been said is that, you know, we're on a, a redemptive path and, you know, that's the power of Jesus and the power of, um, uh, you know, following God is that, um, you know, we, we get redeemed and, uh, yeah, kind of love that. Um, you know, think about these two guys who went to the, the um, synagogue and one guy said, you know, Father, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And the other guy said, hey, I'm glad I do all this stuff. I tithe and do all this stuff. And Jesus said, well, the first guy is the guy who gets, you know, gets redeemed, forgiven. So, yeah, very beautiful um, that what God does. Um, the purpose of marriage, I think, is uh, three things that come to mind. And this is not a, this is just my contribution and others add a lot more to this. But um, I think Christ and his relationship to the church is modelled well in a, great marriage and Ephesians 5 says that that it's a it's a picture it's a metaphor uh, for uh, God's relationship with the church um, so that's really important uh, the second one is about uh, just the uh, physical I suppose the sexual relationship between a married man and a woman and how wonderful that is in God's eyes how important that is and how beautiful that is in marriage and that's really uh, a big part of marriage and also uh, the, I suppose, the creation of children and the raising of children is very important um, for our, uh, for them and for the next generation. So there are three points I would contribute. Yeah. 
And I would just take up that last one of, um, you know, God's plan for society is that there'll be strong families, that every child will be born into a family where mum and dad love each other and they're providing, supporting and um, helping each other, encouraging each other. Um, and in the Christian marriage, that is what we are aiming for. You know, we live in a world, complex world of many challenges, but um, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing, a Christian marriage. But it's not just the wedding that's beautiful, it's the marriage and treating each other with kindness and um, finding ways to bring out the best in each other and finding godly ways to solve conflicts and um, the purpose of marriage is to glorify God and live out your Christian walk uh, in that family um, but not just the family's not supposed to be just an insular thing the family's supposed to be reaching out to others and in my childhood um, one of the things we had was mum and mum and dad through church would reach out to refugees and we would have uh, many refugees um, involved in our lives and for dinner on Sunday lunch, you know, Christmas, we always had several extra people. You know, we just, mum and dad were always looking out for um, how, not just a great family life for our family, but how could they be, um, strengthen the, strengthen others in community. Um, yeah, just thinking about that family situation as, as a husband and wife, if you become parents, you have that opportunity in marriage to model to your children um, the life of a godly person and the kind of life that God wants you to live. So, um, you know, it's a fantastic opportunity to... Uh, raise your children, witnessing how you do life together, you know. Family know you very well and they see the bad and the good, um, but, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity. And uh, the other thing I think about is, you know, as a single Christian, hopefully you're seeking God's kingdom first. That is, that is your mission. Well, when you get married, you don't lose that mission. You... You just get a partner who joins in that mission with you um, and encourages you to continue doing that. Um, it's like it's not great that a marriage should just become about us now. Like, oh, you know, I fell in love with this person and they become my number one focus. That's, it's not to become insular like that. It's to continue looking outward and... Um, you know, bringing other people to enjoy and witness that relationship that you have. So just adding value to what all of them have said, um, Josh and Ange would remind us, I think, uh, quite constantly that as Christians we're called to a bigger family, to the family, to the body of Christ, to the, to the family that we're in here today, and, and that's being called to community. Um, family, married couples and children or even single parents are a community they're a family together that's what that's what family means family is about community um, I often say you know uh, I like the saying 
um, that it, uh, it, takes a, um, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, this is our village, right? This is where we're all at. We raise children together and I just love that uh, in my upbringing there were lots of other Christians beyond my own parents, uh, um, friends at fellowship but also and at church, but also other people in the church who took me aside and coached me or mentored me or, or helped me on my Christian walk. And I think uh, we're all family, we're all in it together. Of course, there's um, negatives with that. You often get people who leave the church because they didn't like the people that were there. Well, guess what? That's what the church is. It's the people that are there. And your maturing process is about uh, getting on with those other people. And that's why you're in fellowship. You are, if you're a Christian, you're going to be in heaven with those people for a very long time. So get to like them and get to love them now. Don't leave it till later. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, I've got so many questions that have been coming through. Um, I will try to group them into questions that um, will more or less um, answer them. Should we keep talking so they can't ask questions? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I should just shut off my phone and then just see what happens and just go organically. No. Um, so if your answer doesn't get question or uh, if your question doesn't get answered um, or, or you don't like the answer or it wasn't covered enough, um, these guys will be around a little bit after the service as well. Um, so, so feel free to engage with them and um, obviously Dan and Jenny is in our congregation um, have dinner with them they're always available uh, Viv and Wendy they, they even send them a message add them on Facebook we're running away yeah, we're going go, back to Crookwell you guys go back to yeah. Crookwell and so Dan and Jenny has to take all the um, questions but I'll, here's another question um, yeah as I said I'll, I'll, I'll try to group them um, and it's going to be a good time even if your question doesn't get answered it's going to be a good time there's going to be great wisdom in, in all, all the answers um, and so the question, how do we undertake dating in a godly manner when the whole idea of dating appears to lack a biblical basis? They're, they're, so I guess there, there is no dating in the Bible. That and is so, so true. So how do we, as Christians in the 21st century, um, navigate dating leading up to marriage? It is true. There is no dating in the Bible. I, I heard somewhere recently that dating only commenced about 120 years ago. So I don't know about that either. But, um, you know, we, we do know guidelines for, you know, relating to uh, the opposite sex. You know, treat older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Um, we know that. We know things like, um, uh, you know, probably in boundaries. Um, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Um, and there's reasons, there's reasons sort of for that. Um, it's probably enough controversy for me for one... I think um, I'm going to start being a little bit deep and philosophical, but um, when the Bible was written, uh, there was no such thing as, you know, the, the concept of you as an individual didn't really exist. You existed in community. Um, it, it was about your community and, and, and your place. The other thing that happened was... Um, Marriages were sort of much more arranged by the community. They were, they were assisted, they were helped on the way. So we've entered a, a, a world that's got a completely um, individualistic paradigm, and that's a first, and, and it, is, it is a struggle. I mean, when uh, Wendy and I met, we did date. That we, you know, it's not, um, it's, it's not a new thing that your generation have just come up with. We, we had dating, my parents had dating. Uh, it's been around for a little while, and it is something that is difficult to, to deal with. But you do need to set boundaries. 
you do need to do your dating in the community that you're in. And I think um, a discussion we'll probably have a bit later is it's very important to make sure that you as a single person and as a single person coming into a relationship, make sure you have your relationship with God aligned first. Um, that's very important. If you, if you're, and that, 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 that other person's relationship with God is aligned. Um, Dan said something wonderful this morning. You know, if you're trying to be the best Christian you can be, um, then that, that's, you're working on your relationship with God and let God sort of bring that relationship alongside. Um, the other thing is just remember that you're dating and so that person can leave you and go on to another relationship. You know, how are they going to feel when they leave? Um, be, be very precious about um, love is about finding... Um, what's good for the other person. If you love another person, even though it may hurt when the relationship breaks up, uh, or, and hopefully it doesn't, hopefully you, you, you engage in a relationship purposefully and it moves on. But if, if you do break up, that person leaves knowing that you've actually, that you've loved them uh, and, that, and that your love has been a concern for them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is weird, but I'm gonna weigh in on it. Three years in to, to being married, um, so I, um, I think since, since I discovered, I guess, girls and became attracted to them, um, and I, I desired to be in a relationship. Um, um, I had a huge crush on a girl growing up, and then when I was in uni, I, all I wanted was to have a girlfriend. Um, and so that has been a battle for me for a long time. And so even when it came to finding Nicole... Um, and it, it, it talks about, uh, it kind of talks into what you were saying about make sure your relationship with God is solid even before um, you're going into dating because what happened for me is I found a girl, Nicole, who was Christian um, and um, in a sense she brought me closer to God in that regard but I was piggybacking off that um, and so then when we got married and this, is, this might be really shocking for, for um, young people um, who are uh, looking to get married or are dating right now um, Less than a month into the marriage, um, I found out that I am actually going to be unfulfilled if I put all my hope in Nicole. Like that's 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 the honest truth. Um, as men, we idolise sex and the the um, idea of, of intimacy. That's going to be the pinnacle of your life. It's not. It's not, because there are going to be periods in your marriage where you are not sleeping together, like you're not having sex. Um, when when kids come along. Um, uh, when we mutually agree not to, as it is biblical. Um, <laughs> there's a part in the Bible that says that um, you should only um, stop having sex when both mutually agree. But the fact of the matter is that you are not going to spend the rest of your whole life every day having sex. And, and as men, you guys need to come to terms with that, that sex is not the best thing that life has to offer. Christ is. And, and Nicole, I, I've told to this Nicole a million times, and this is not a reflection on, on what we have. It's amazing. But... There, there, is, there are bigger things to life and what I found, I, I went down a very kind of um, Solomon Ecclesiastes kind of idea, everything is meaningless, like if the pinnacle of what I thought was going to be the pinnacle of, of a man, man's life is even not it, then what, is, what am I left with? And so then in that point, in marriage, I had to fight for my relationship with God because I knew that was what's going to sustain me and, and, and sharing that with someone it brings, brings a beauty, um, but yeah, super important. Um, don't think marriage is going to solve your relationship with God. It's not going to solve all your problems. Um, you really need to work right here, right now, if you're single um, or if you're dating before you get married to get that relationship with God right. 
um, because if you discover two years or three years into marriage that, that the things that you believe in, um, the foundations that you believe um, on, on who God is um, are a bit shaky, that is really painful to discover in marriage. Um, it, it's going to happen. It, it always happens. Um, but that, that's, that's my story. Three years into marriage, within a month I realised that marriage is not, was, was not going to solve all my problems and so I needed to fight for God. So, so for those who are not married right now... Um, You've got the skinny on the, on the, um, on the situation. You've got the, the, um, the time now to get your, um, your, yeah, your rightness with God, um, your, your relationship with God right now. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, thank you for sharing that. Um, I think it's really good. Uh, we need to be reminded, you know, that being single is just as great as being married. You know, being married isn't you know, everyone's dream or ideal, like Jesus was single, Paul was single, and Paul talks about the fact that, you know, when you're married, you have the concerns of your family, you, know, you have those responsibilities, and even though you're still able to um, be on mission together, it's different. When you're single, you have a lot of independence and freedom to go wherever God wants you to go with as little money as, you know, will get you there. And, I, you know, I think we need to embrace that. And you don't... I know I didn't think about that when I was young. I had this focus on boyfriends too. And, you know, I just really encourage you to really embrace where God has got you now and that, as Ryan said, you need to find your fulfilment in Christ, not in another person, because this person, no matter how great they are, will fail you at some time. Christ never will. And if you are married, you need to understand that because, you know, at times the other person won't be giving you what you think you need or want and you have God there to help sustain you. But you need to learn that as a single as well, that, you know, God is, God is who makes you complete, not, not this other person. Um. Awesome. I'm still trying to compute this question that Ryan has passed me. But... Um, how did you know your spouse was the one? And I guess the gist of this question is if there are incompat incompatibilities, um, what are, I guess, the important parts that overcome those incompatibilities? I think in, in, um, in dating, you, um, you, you may run into some things thinking, oh, actually, I don't like um, maybe the jokes that this person tells, for example. And um, you think, you know, I'm not sure I could really live with that. Um, and which is your, it's your right when you're dating. You know, you're, you're it's a, like, dating is like a big job interview, a long job interview. Um, and um, uh, so that's a bit about, I think, yeah, compatibility. You'll, and when you date, you'll see people in different circumstances under different stresses. And you think, oh, okay, so that's how they handle that. Or, hey, you know what? Um, their mum and dad's really upset with them at the moment. How are they handling that? So it's, um, you get to see a lot um, when you date people, and that's really, really healthy. Um, there's another part of that question, but... Yeah, um, so I guess 
Yeah, how did, how did you know that Jenny was the one? Um, that's a good one. Um, that, that's a good part of it. Um, and I, I've got lots of thoughts on this, but obviously I'll let you guys. Um, but, um, um, so I think uh, for us, uh, we, we were young and um, I was at uni, Jenny was at uni, or maybe starting uni, first year uni. And um, I think our pastors could see where this was going. They're like, wow, Dan and Jenny are really friendly, you know. And, um, and um, you know, in an environment where that wasn't really encouraged. So, um, um, because it was all about, like, you know, single-minded devotion to the Lord, that type of thing. That was the teaching. So, what, what um, as our uh, friendship progressed for sort of six months or so, our pastors asked us to take a month off. Uh, where we didn't make any contact and, you know, like a, like a, a month of discernment uh, is, a, is a modern way of expressing that. And so uh, we both, uh, we were happily agreed to that, where we each took time to pray, seek the Lord, not contact each other and just see what God was saying. And um, I know Jenny made some extensive notes and went and saw the pastors and, yeah. yeah. Um, I think what I was looking, one of, you know, in Proverbs, it talks about a man's kindness um, what's the rest of that verse like? Uh, <laughs> it's, that's attractive. And, I, and that was something I really saw in Dan, a kind-hearted person. And, I, and that, um, that is something that's going to be great through your marriage. Um, yeah. I think in the dating period as well, it's, or in the getting to know you period, it's, it's, um, understanding okay do they respect their parents okay we're not saying their parents need to be perfect but are they showing respect for their parents how are they treating other people um yeah siblings what's their attitude to work um what's their contribution at church what's their vision for the future like through the dating period or the all the um times you're together you're discovering the depth of each other and and that's why it's not supposed to be um, the worldly view of where you're just going and having fun dinner you know like you dress up you show them only your best you know it's not supposed to be like that it's supposed to be as Dan says you see each other through circumstances over time and you just um, you, yeah you really just get a sense of it um, for me it was really clear yeah, this is what God was wants. But I, I asked God, this was my question, I wrote it down. God, is this good for you? If we get together and get married, is this going to be good for you and your kingdom? Like there's plenty of beautiful, amazing, godly women out there that could be great. Uh, but is this, if we get married, is this, is this going to be good for you? And what about for Dan? You know, just because I want to get married to him. What about for him? Is this going to be good for him? Only God can see the future and understand, you know, us completely. And, and, yet, and then, Lord, is this going to be good and right for me? Um, so those were three of the questions I was asking. But I did make extensive notes and I did take time and really um, s soaked in the scripture and sought wisdom from my godly pastors and um, others as well. My parents who are godly, you know, just godly people can help you. Um, just to be very brief, like I think 
you know, you should, if you're a Christian, you want to be on the same track. So, you know, you want to be with another Christian um, because, yeah, to me it just doesn't make sense that you would kind of not seek a Christian to be your partner so that, you know, otherwise you're going to have divided interests and, yeah, you're not going to see life the same. Um, I know with Viv, one of the things that first attracted me to him was, um, well, you were pretty smart. You still are. He, he knows a lot. If you talk to Viv, he knows a lot about a lot of stuff. And even when you can't believe what he knows, you can go and Google it and he's generally right. <laughs> so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know that, and and I just felt like I needed someone. Um, he he had been a Christian for longer than me, and I just felt that he had those leadership qualities. Um. I'm going to uh, throw the. I'm going to be the person who throws this question back at you because the the question actually scares me. The question scares me because I think. Uh, um, and I'll, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll put it to you from our life story. Wendy said, um, you know, we um, ended up where Wendy was pregnant before we actually got married. So we knew long before that that we, were, that we, sh that we would, should be together, that we should get married. But, you know, ultimately, um, uh, I, I think I was chasing economic security and I think God was saying to us, forget it, I need you together. And I think, um, so, so I, I think the question I've got for you is, if you, if you can see somebody who looks right, what's holding you back? Because I think very often we like to think, well, you know, I've got to get my career in order. Or I thought, um, I can't really marry Wendy till I can provide a house for her. Once she was pregnant and we said, okay, well, that's it. Let's get married. We got married. We didn't have two pennies to rub together. But God looked after us and God provided for us and things came together and you know me looking at it going you know how am I going to afford a house and a car and look after a child well you do that um so I think God helps you do it yeah I think that's right but I think the issue is um that there is a paradigm out there that you should wait till you've got your university degree behind you wait till you've got you know I know people who say I shouldn't date till I've you know, bought a house or finished my uni degree or something like that. No, you date when the right person, when God's got the right person in your life um, and, you, and you ask God. So, so I think I go back to the original things. Um, if you're single, get yourself right with God and then let God look after the other things. It's not a matter of, you know, I'm out hunting for somebody or now's the right time. Uh, I know plenty of people who let the right time go by and now there isn't anybody. I'm not trying to scare you, but <laughs> I'm scaring you. <laughs> um, you know, seriously, uh, put your life in the hands of God and let God run your life. Don't try to plan everything out and hope that it'll work out. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a planner, right? I'm a town planner. I know how to plan things, right? One thing I won't plan is my life because... Ultimately, I've handed that over to God. What am I going to do? Take it back? No. It's in God's hands to run 
that life, and that's where yours needs to be. I've been asked this question um, because, you know, four years ago when Nicole, got, you know, Nicole and I were dating and we were looking really strong um, as, as a dating couple, you know, marriage goals, etc. No. Um, but, you know, um, we're a young church um, and so um, it's, it's really awesome that we have um, people that have been married I, I, for so long. I'm not saying don't have goals, by the way. Yeah, no, no. Um, but um, I did have a lot of young uh, Christian guys in particular ask me this exact question, how did you know Nicole was the one? Um, maybe we were engaged at that point. How did you know she was the one? Um, what if we have different interests and, and you know, um, isn't that going to make marriage really tough? And this is my reply to everyone and will con continue to be my reply off the back of being in crappy relationships, um, in relationships that were with non-Christians, not that, that those, those girls were bad people, it's just we didn't have the right values and I actually got pulled... Uh, the non-Christian direction rather than... That, that's the thing that, that every person will always rationalise. I'm dating a non-Christian, um, but I'll, I'll bring them to Jesus. Um, it, quite often it ends the other way. Anyway, these are the two things that I always say to a young guy who comes to me and says, how did you know Nicole was the one? Does she love God with all her heart, all her mind, all her soul? And does she build you up rather than tear you down emotionally, physically? Um, and point two is point one. If you love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, you serve Jesus with everything that you got, quite naturally they're going to read the scriptures and apply it to every part of their life, including you. And so they go, but what about, like, you know, my girlfriend's not really sporty. Who gives us stuff? Um, Nicole is not sporty and we have a great marriage. Um, <laughs> Um, you know, oh, they don't like the same movies. Like, I love deep movies that, that leave, you know, an imprint on me for days. And Nicole loves Hallmark. Who gives us stuff? The, the fundamental is, and the thing that is not going to um, die, that is not going to, you know, um, change over time, um, is that, that she loves God with all her heart and, and she's going to continually pushing me to um, go towards Jesus with everything that I got. So they are your fundamentals. Um, characteristics, well, characteristics are a, a point one, you know, if they have characteristics that reflect God, well, then they're the one, you know. I don't subscribe to the theory of there is one, the one. Um, there are many Christians that <laughs> exemplify the characteristics of Christ, so there are many ones. Um, whoever the one is for you, I, I'm still saying those two values um, dominate everything else that you'll ever think. Um, the question that has come up, and you kind of addressed it, and I, I want to push into this because I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people have different views on this. Um, Wendy, you touched on um, Christians should date Christians. Um, um, I've had some questions and said uh, that have come through that have said, "Is it okay to date a non-Christian with good character?" Um, so could you, um, yeah, talk talk into that? Well, plenty of people can have good character, but it's. It's not God that they worship. Like, we all worship something. A Christian worships God. Um, people in the world have their own gods. It can be consumerism or, or good works, but that's not what determines, you know, where we're he headed. You know, that's not what determines that we have a relationship with Christ being good. Um, you know, our, Christ live, lives within us. 
when you're not a Christian, Christ isn't living within you. And, you know, a Christian has their eyes set on eternity. This, this life's short. You know, this is just kind of an introduction to the, the real theatre that's going to happen for the rest of our life. So, you know, as, as a Christian, you have a totally different mindset and focus. You know, our mission is to win people for Christ and, um, you know, we give up our life to do that. You know, that's what we aim to do. If you talk to a person who is, you know, they might be good, they might be kind and loving to others, but giving up their life, laying down their life, um, living their life so that they're, they're, they're looking for the reward of heaven, not the reward of what comes here and now, that's a totally different um, race that you're in. That's, you know, just one way I see it. And I think down the line, with um, when you have children, um, those children are going to be less likely to follow the Lord if there's one parent who doesn't want to go to church, especially if they're um, you know the same sex as that parent. Um, it, that just happens time and time again. It's like the the challenge gets bigger as you go along in your lives. So, yeah, I think that's the key thing is are you both surrendered to God fully and then if you are, then, yeah, you know, we follow him and you'll have an amazing life together. But um, all those little things, yeah, you know, you just allow for each other to enjoy different pursuits, you know, but in moderation. Any pursuit is going to be in moderation. It's your refreshment, your rest time, but it's not your mission. It's, it's just that. It's your, yeah. Um, we, we are called to be on mission, and I think, uh, I think that pretty much sums it up. If you're, uh, as Jan said, if you are called to be on mission, it's very hard to be on mission when you're not partnered up with somebody else. There is, um, in, the, in the Bible, there's this uh, phrase, you know, don't be unequally yoked. Um, and, you know, quite often we say, oh, well, if they're a Christian, tick, we're equally yoked. Well, no. I think that phrase actually requires a lot more than that. That's probably one of the ticks in the box. Um, you know, uh, the question was, uh, should you marry somebody with who's not a Christian but with good character by the same token and the answer to that is well you shouldn't but by the same token don't marry somebody who is a Christian and not of good character I think I think I think you still need to you know the good character is something that you still need to ensure that that both people have marry somebody who loves you um, I often describe love and uh, love in this way that love um, I think we often think the opposite of love is hate, but the opposite um, tension to love is actually lust. So love and hate are both about the other person. Lust is about yourself. Make sure that your relationship on your side and on the other person's side isn't about lust. Make sure it's actually about love. And how do you test that? Well, Ryan 
Jan have said it quite clearly to you, is the person uh, wanting to see you better yourself? Do they build you up? Are they wanting, and, and are you loving that other person? Do you want that person for yourself? Or are you wanting to see, are you wanting to help that person be a better Christian, be a better person? I think that, that's, that's very fundamental in a Christian marriage. And, you know, there's often, when we do these things, there's often a question about, you know, headship and stuff in the marriage. Headship's very much, and, and the whole partnership is very much about love. If, you, if you've got the right perspective on love, you both want the best for the other person. Whether it's their career, their health, whatever it is, you're trying to help that other person have a better life. That's what, that's what marriage is all about. And, and together you both have a better life. And um, I, I guess another thing that, that I, I would think of, um, and is something a very... Um, it's it's in the Bible is is and it's something that is said in in Christian circles is there's there's not just two in the marriage when it's a Christian marriage there's three in the marriage and we're talking about headship well if a traditional viewpoint is the male is the head of the house well if you believe that or not it doesn't matter um, that's not the point um, God is the head of both you know the and, and so something that's really helpful in a marriage especially in conflict resolution is going okay, I believe this, Nicole believes this, um, we both think we're right. What does Christ think? What does it look like in the Bible? Um, and are you being selfish? Are you being prideful? Are you, as a man, dying to yourself um, uh, for the benefit of the other? As a woman, is a woman submitting um, to her loving husband? Um, Christ is at the head, and in a sense, if you believe in objective morality or objective standards, God is the objective standard. And so, in regards to um, conflict resolution, um, He's got the answer um, in the Bible. Um, it's there. Um, and if you don't have that, if you're dating a non Christian, they will be what they think is their objective standard. The non Christian will have the objective standard they will think that their standard is the objective standard, whereas the Christian will think, well, it's not me, it's Christ that has the objective standard. So there's always going to be a disconnect there. There's always going to be an argument within a, a Christian and a non-Christian about how we should spend our money, for example. Oh, but I think we should spend our money because I worked for it. Christians will say, God gave us the ability to, to make money. God gave us money. God gave us everything in this life, and so I think we should give this money to the poor. I think too if there's uh, conflict in marriage and maybe this um, I'm sure there'll be a question there somewhere about conflict resolution maybe we have to get to that in a bit more detail when we get to it but if there's conflict between the two of you then you both probably need to not decide who's the head but actually both step back and listen spend time listening to each other spend time both of you listening to God why are you not on the same um, on the same footprint maybe one of you is not listening to god maybe neither of you are listening to god get close to god first then sort out the resolution sort out the resolve the issues and to add to that as someone who was raised in a half christian household my mum got saved when i was eight um i have seen firsthand her struggles of um, my dad being an unbeliever and he's an agnostic but you know my mum would come home and be like oh you know i my prayer got answered today. My dad's just like, okay, honey, that's nice. And it's just really discouraging for her. And I have seen her battle um, to share her faith with me and my sister. And um, yeah, I think from someone who have grown up in that household, I 
wouldn't want to have the same struggles um, willingly going into a marriage with another. And, and that does actually raise another question that we need to be clear about, and that is that some people are already in a relationship, you know, married or whatever, and then become a Christian. How do you deal with that? Um, and 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 I, and I think we're probably being a bit unfair to those people. There's a beautiful story that I told this morning of um, a um, uh, French princess who was betrothed to uh, an English king. And, um, and you know, in, in those days, she had to marry for political reasons. So she went to... Canterbury. Coventry. Can Canterbury. Canterbury. Thank you. She went to Canterbury. Can we get agreement on this? She went to Canterbury. <laughs> she went to Canterbury. He was a pagan. She prayed for him. He decided, okay, her religion's Christianity, so in faith to her, he built a little chapel for her. She prayed for 18 years. After 18 years, um, uh, Catholic uh, monks came to town. They actually converted him. Uh, within a year or two, thousands of English people, I think nearly 10,000 English people, were converted to Christ through, through her 18 years of prayer. Uh, now... Uh, next to her little chapel is Canterbury Cathedral, and Canterbury Cathedral is the seat of the Church of England. The Archbishop of Canterbury is the head of the Church of England. So, so she sowed the seeds in 18 years for something, uh, and that was 542 that she went there. So, you know, um, a long time since, I can't do the maths, but that's got to be at least 1,500 years yeah of um, churchmanship in that town that can, be, that can be pointed back to a woman who is faithful. So yes, if you are stuck in a marriage where it feels fruitless, persist. Thanks for sharing. That's a great story. Um, well, this next question has three parts to it. Part one, how do you think your marriage changed once you had kids? And part two, um, how did you manage the balance between sowing into your spouse and your children? And part three, what are the keys for raising um, your children um, in the Christian walk? I, I don't think I've got anything controversial to say. I think we were just <laughs> delighted to have children come along. Yeah, um, I, you know, Jenny was so keen to have children. Remember, I'd be out fishing at Morty Alec, Port Phillip Bay. I'd come in and ring up Jenny from the public phone booth. How are you, Jenny? And she was very sad. She wasn't pregnant. And so, you know, we were very keen to have children. So our children were very loved when they came. And I think Viv made the point this morning that, you know, when you, when you have a child born, all of a sudden this love kicks in and you just have this surge of um, capability uh, to love the children. So, um, you know, w we had a lot of help from Jenny's parents who lived nearby. So, um, um, and we had twins as well. You get a lot of favour when you have twins. So it was a good ride for us, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, okay, so we had three under two and a half. How did we actually really protect our marriage? We actually saw it, our, our family, as um, this is something we're doing together and it's, it's really special. It's like... Let's just see the joy in it all, you know. And some days it'd be like, oh, I just got through the day. But, you know, I probably the most powerful thing that any of us do in a day is prayer, our prayers. And when you're in the midst of that family stage, praying over your children, 
praying for the key events in the nation that day, praying for our church and the outreach and the outreach of all the churches. Um, this is this is this is fantastic. This is um, powerful. So we're all on a powerful journey. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, I had three in nappies for six weeks. <laughs> that was interesting. Um, but the state, it doesn't matter. The thing about how did we raise our children, we, uh, we focused on what's really important, and that is that they know Jesus. We got alongside them and communicated a lot and loved them a lot. But the main thing, we didn't just nitpick on every little thing, you know, yet, especially in this culture, you have to pick your battles, you know, as they grow up and just focus on, does this, is this a hard issue? That was it for me. Too much makeup, too, you know, whatever. It's like, look, they're just discovering um, being a woman and they'll get it right eventually. You know, the key is the hard issues. Those are the ones to talk through and we we actually had dinner time was a big time in our family where we were discuss the day discuss our days discuss their days and um yeah and just doing something fun together sailing together was probably key as well um i could talk all day about how our children changed our lives but i'll try and try and be brief i think having a child teaches you of god's love for you how much he loves you because you just can't believe how much you love this child and, and what you're willing to do for them. So you learn about sacrifice, you learn about um, being unselfish, you give up lots for your children. Um, we, we were in a great uh, church, we had great fellowship when our kids were young um, and something that was very special to me was I met another lady called Wendy. We, we ran into each other and went, hi, my name's Wendy. <laughs> and, you know, she is still a good friend but we used to meet at about 5am in the morning. She lived just up the road from me and we would pray for our kids and I don't know how long we did that for, and sometimes one of us would sleep in so it wouldn't happen, but, you know, when you've got young kids, you've got to grab the part of the day that they're not up and about. And I really believe somehow God honoured that getting together and praying for each other. Um, and I just believe that when you have children, you get out and you do stuff with your other friends who have kids. Like if, if life's hard at home, you go to one another's homes and you play together. Um, so yeah, like you keep connected with people. Um, so sowing seeds or uh, raising our kids as they got older, I think one of the, the best things our kids had in their lives as young people was mentors. Um, we were in churches where there were, you know, people slightly older than them who took them out for coffee, who, you know, passed on to them their Christian um, knowledge or what, you know, they knew of Christ. They'd just spent time with them and had fun with them and cared about them. Um, and that has made a real difference in our kids' lives. Um, you know, we tried to be in churches where there were youth groups. We thought about what, our, what would be good for our kids rather than 
what do we need? Um, what was, was there another, what was the third part of that question? But yeah, ch children are a blessing. Like, we have just gained so much from our kids. We absolutely delight in them and, and watching them now as they grow and marry and, yeah, have their own marriages. There's a, a passage I love from a, a Christian um, sort of um, help guy called Zig Ziglar. I don't know most of you in this room would be far too young to know who Zig Ziglar is. But he says... Love is spelt T-I-M-E. And, and it's right, there's no substitute for the time that you spend with people. Um, you, you need to spend time together, you need to spend time with your children. Your career will try to rob you of your time. Your desire for your career will, will, will and sometimes just busyness at work, you think, I've got to get this done, I've got to get that done, I've got to get something else done at home. There are some children waiting for you to love them. Um, spend time with your kids. It's very, very, very important. Spend time with your partner. It's very important. You can only grow your relationship if you spend time with each other. Have I said it's about time? <laughs> time is an important thing. Um, learn it. I've got a question that's, um, that's come through, uh, which is uh, on children again. Um, and this is a good question. Um, is it unbiblical to not want to have children? That's a really interesting question. I actually grew up with a view. Um, uh, so I, th for those of you who don't know me, I'm, I'm a geographer and a town planner and you know, very much involved in the environment movement. And there is a lot of discussion, a lot of philosophy in there that you know, the world's population is big enough and you don't need more kids in the world and we don't need more people. Uh, the world's population is growing rapidly, not because we're having too many kids, because we're not, it's growing rapidly because we've stopped dying. And so new generations are coming through and adding to the numbers before people like us have decided to step off the planet. And so there's this thing, you know, how big's your footprint, right? We all know about, you know, how big a footprint do you have? Um, is it, is it unchristian, is it wrong to uh, say, well, it, you know, we, is it unbiblical to say that we shouldn't have kids? The Bible talks about the blessing, you know, children are a blessing to a man and to his, and his grandchildren uh, are a blessing to his beard. You know, it's, it's, just, it's just these wonderful ideas of how richly your children will bless you. Is it unbiblical not to want children? No, I don't think it is. But I think um, you can miss out on so much. And I think you know, ultimately, um, by getting involved in other philosophies uh, of the world and about the world, and, and look, I could do uh, lots of seminars on uh, Christians and the philosophy of, of the environment, um, and, I, and I'm not, you know, it's not the time to go into that now, but um, if you've decided, so some people can't have children, right? And that's, um, and that's, so that's often very, very distressing for them. Other people choose not to have children. I don't think it's unbiblical not to have children, but think very carefully about it because in time, um, you know, you're, uh, there will come a time when you stop and think, you know, we're beyond that age where we could have had children. 
will you will you regret that decision? And ultimately, God is in control. Um, and it doesn't matter what you think about climate change and loss of biodiversity and footprint and all that sort of stuff. God's ultimately in control and God will decide when this world ends and we don't know when that is. Um, is it worth not having children to try to save a planet that God might be going to wipe out tomorrow? Should we husband the earth? Yes, we should. Is it a simple answer? To, is there a simple answer to that? No, there isn't. No, there isn't. Um, I think you really have to um, bring yourself before God and pray about that issue deeply and see what God says to you about it. I can see you scrolling through a million questions. Uh, there's a million questions. No, that was really good. Um, that's awesome. Um, questions come through. What can we do practically to ensure we are doing ministry as a married couple, not just next to each other? And I'll elaborate on that. Um, I think um, your relationship with God uh, seemingly um, is very personal. Um, we, we all relate to God in a, di a different way. Sometimes we hear God um, speaking um, in the songs that we sing, um, when we're praying, when we read the word. Sometimes we receive dreams. Um, sometimes we receive prophetic words. So, so um, our, our relationship with God is very personal. And, and, and again, three years into marriage, we, Nicole and I are discovering that to integrate that, to share your relationship with God with each other is actually really awkward. So like, it always seems like Nicole and I are on different schedules um, in, in a sense that sometimes I'm really into the word and then sometimes Nicole's scrolling on the phone and then vice versa and Nicole's praying really intently and I'm watching cat videos, you know. Um, it doesn't feel like we're on the same page a lot. And so um, for you guys, um, with all your experience and how long you guys have been to mar uh, married together, how did you guys ensure that, um, I guess in a sense, that your relationship with God was, was shared together? Uh, and also, and how did that propel you in marriage and so, um, uh, or in, in ministry, you know? Um, then, yeah, does that make sense? Um, I think uh, to try to pray together is probably a good start. Um, I think that's probably... Um, uh, and, and if you're active in church, uh, then you might want to be active in the same things, particularly, say, if it's a small group, for example, or a life com. Um, and then otherwise, um, support each other's strengths uh, in, in what their ministry might be. That's just my contribution. Yeah. yeah. And I just think of um, practically how we do our day is the one who has got things on, say, in the evening that are fixed, um, then the other will um, work their schedule around to so that we are synchronised, uh, you know, going to bed together. I remember mum and dad... That didn't happen a lot. So, and I just thought, nah, look, we're married. You know, we're going to we're going to try and have a meal together every day. So it'll be breakfast or it'll be dinner, um, and um, in the morning we live in a one-bedroom apartment. So in the morning, um, Dan will bring me in a cup of tea so I can have you know a cup of tea with the Lord and great quiet time. Meanwhile, he's having a great quiet time out in the lounge. Um, and by actually giving each other space to grow our own relationship with God is a real key. We will pray together for a short time, and that's fabulous because you're coming on the one page. Just ask them, what is it that you would like prayer for today? 
and then pray over that together. And, and that's been a really practical, helpful way to do it. Um, and then, yeah, leading small group together, that's been um, really good. And then you've, that's quite wide because whatever your gift is, you can use that in that, um, that forum. But then also with that, you know, it needs another night of preparation of what's going to be said. And then it needs, you know, it also means just following up with those people to travel along their journey. So, um, you know, it's just making space for that in your lives together. And um, just, yeah, so like for Dan, for Dan, his work ministry role is um, encouraging godly MPs. And part of that, um, and political people, and part of that is bringing them home for dinner. So even though I'm teaching um, through the day, I need to make sure we've got room at least, and we sort of pace it out. So about once a week, you know, we'll entertain, and then he's really gracious. If it's more than six people, we're out at a restaurant. If it's under six, actually last year it was a beautiful, we just um, often have one course out, one course at home. So you know, they can go into deeper discussions in the home. But just just um, sort of accommodating each other and really um, supporting each other, praying for each other in our ministries of what we're doing, talking through the heart-to-heart issues that have come up about that day or that week. Yeah, I would say one of the best things we've ever developed in our marriage and and, you know, it didn't happen immediately. It's maybe, I don't know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago is that morning prayer together. Um, and just, you know, when you're talking about um, how Nicole, you know, might be very deep in prayer or whatever and you're in another space, you know, often when Viv and I pray together, you know, we share a devotional together and then we start praying. But... You know, there's mornings where I pray and I hog the whole time, but it's not a big deal. <laughs> you know, there'll be mornings where, where Viv does. We just, um, I don't know, we just know one another and, and we're sharing in that prayer together no, no matter who's um, talking. Um, but, yeah, it sets the tone for the day. Um, you know, Viv's main ministry, I would say, is... You know, in his town planning, he desires good for the community and he shares his faith with his co-workers. Um, so, you know, that aspect of his life is separate to, to mine. And, of course, as a woman, um, quite a while ago, I think I really felt my ministry was encouraging women and... Um, that's happened in different ways and I have a different freedom in that I'm not working at the moment. So, you know, I am involved with other women during the day. Together we run like a home group and we love doing that because we just, like Viv can come home for lunch so we can prepare in lunchtime. Um, so, so, you know, there will be parts of your life that you'll do individually but you're still supporting one another and making it work so that, it, you know, it's not a burden. Um, you know, you've still got the same goal at the end of the day to bring people to Christ or to encourage them in their faith. Um, 
But yeah, I highly recommend that habit of prayer together. You know, there's lots of couples I've spoken to who have been married for, for lots of years and they don't pray together. Um, so di dig into it, you know, immediately, you know? Yeah. That's great. Sorry. Um, <laughs> actually, no, I forgot what I was going to say. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Here's a conflict question. Um, can you share some tools you use to resolve conflicts? Um, I think uh, apologising is good. Um, and, um, like, if you're 2% if you're at fault, then just, you know, apologise for 100% of that 2%. You know what I mean? Like... Apologies are always good, um, and um, yeah. yeah, that's always good because usually in conflict, there'll be you will have contributed in some way, and so if you ever get to the, if I ever get to the point and say, hey, you know what, Jenny's gonna have to make a massive apology to me before we move forward, um, then I'm I'm in a bad headspace. You know what I mean? Like always gonna leave, hey, Jen, I'm so sorry, you know, and that's always a good way. Because if you're the guy, yes, you are always ready to pause. No. Um, <clears throat> I think communic <laughs> communicate early and thoroughly. I feel like people wait far too long and then they're communicating when they're quite worked up about it. Whereas, well, Dan's a great communicator, so here we'll just... Um, communicate, you know, days before we'll be discussing the issue and we'll be discussing it, you know, thoroughly so that we both can see each other's perspectives and then that, that really helps. Um, yeah, and just being patient, you know. Um, I think of when we first got married, I didn't know, we, we did have a great first year but I think the long engagement and lots of talking actually really helped us there. But um, I, didn't, I came from a godly family, but um, there was just one thing really missing, and that was respect and honour and um, in the home, in the marriage. And so I just... Or it was expressed in a different way. Um, but I just had to learn, oh, OK, so um, how are we going to resolve this? And Dan was just really patient. He did not snap back, don't, like show kindness and because everyone will be on a different journey and um, it can take time to even if you want to get uh, into a good pattern of resolving conflict you know it can take you time and God's work in you can just take a little bit of time but you know if you both love God you you can um, you can know that it's going to get better as you go along and as you trust and understand each other more. Um, yeah. Yeah. I th I think talk a lot. We talk a lot. We're not uh, like I remember we did the marriage course and they talked about the hedgehog and the what what was it? The rhinoceros. The rhinoceros. Yeah. So like the person who's out there and the person who just withdraws. But we both tend to talk a lot and we can get emotional. Um, but yeah, talk, listen, like make sure you both have enough fair listening time to one another and don't 
um, bring up something that's uh, going to be an issue late at night, like when you go to great bed. Great point, great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't bring it up. Yeah, no, we, we have... Um, <laughs> Wendy, we have a rule like... We, we won't talk about money after 10 o'clock. Yeah. So, like, if it's... Oh, what is it, like, like 5 to 10? Nah. No, we'll wait till tomorrow. And uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good rule, yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or if you know one of you is tired, don't... Yeah. Yeah, Someone should have told us this before we got married. We Sorry. wish we'd known this. Uh, <laughs> I always make the mistake of bringing something up, like at right bedtime, at the and then we blow up. Literally last no. night, it was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. We didn't blow up, but I just. I, I just got sick of it. So we're planning on um, uh, redoing our kitchen, and we were locking in the um, the, the handles. <laughs> Super important. We were locking in the handles, and it was getting late, and it was like twelve o'clock, um, and I just. I said, I'm done. I don't care. Sure. I started saying things like, um, you know, every time I, 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 you know, put in my two cents about what I think is right um, in this regard, um, you, d you totally disregard what I say, so I'm just not going to care anymore. You do whatever you want. Um, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. And, and graciously, Nicole said, okay, that's fine. Rather than getting, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe in our first year of marriage, if that had happened, that would have really hurt Nicole. And so she was gracious. And Nicole, I'm really sorry for what we did last night. Um, <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, uh, that's that's very true. Sometimes, like obviously, as you grow together, you will you will learn um, the ins and outs, yeah. the characters, um, what what really grinds um, the other's gear, um, what builds them up, what tears them down, and and yeah. over time you'll become sensitive to that. And yeah, that's awesome. Don't talk about money after ten. I love it. Yeah. I Don't talk about money ever. I hate but talking about also, money. But also, also going making sure that you're going to bed forgiving each other. You know, you may not have, you may need longer to talk about things. That's okay. But um, be forgiving in your heart because just remember how much Jesus has forgiven us. We are forgiven and we are free and we are loved. And so it's a minor thing to offer that to another person. Okay, this is, this is a good question, and I think this is, um, this is in regards to, okay, so you, when you marry, um, you create a family, but obviously there are the families that you marry into as well. So this question is, Genesis 2.24 says, and therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. What does this practically mean? Does this mean you side with your husband over your family, or is it just referring to starting your own family? It does mean that you side with each other. Uh, when you get married, even if you have come from similar cultures as the four of us had, you have both come from completely different cultures. And what my dad used to do and my mum used to do in the house isn't the same as what Wendy's mum and dad used to do in that circumstance in the house and responsibilities were different and there are lots of things to sort out. I'm sure these guys have got a lot to say on that. I know, it's absolutely right. So, you, <clears throat> you know, your family of origin uh, issues, um, you know, are a major thing as you sort through your marriage. And, um, you know, there's, uh, there's no perfect family. You know, I didn't come from a perfect family. Um, and, you know, so you have to wrestle through that. And then you might uh, have different dynamics. So, uh, my parents were not supportive that I'd become a born-again Christian. And, um, you know, they were not thrilled that, you know, I was meeting a Baptist school, you know, because we were all Catholic. 
And so, you know, that's, a, that's an example of, um, you know, when you've you got to leave your mother and father and cleave to your wife and you build your own family and then you have to trust God that eventually they'll mellow. But um, you, in a sense, you have to be delivered from the, uh, the dominance of your parents, as it were, when you get married. Yeah, and my attitude there was, right, we are going to build relationship together with his mum and dad and we would just love them. We would go to Ballarat two hours away every three weeks. We would make a trip and then when the children were born about once a month and when the twins came along every, about every six weeks. Now, the thing was, it was like, in the end, his mum and dad absolutely loved me and the other daughters-in-law. But, um, but yeah, it was just like intentional. We're just gonna love and break through this because we know it's not them, it's the enemy just trying to. Um, but I love what you're saying because you do cling together. You are a new family and you need to make those decisions and work out the role, but still honoring both parents incredibly. Definitely. Um, so Nicole and I, um, we obviously grew up in different cultures. Nicole comes from a Chinese background, so Chinese Cantonese culture. So it and and me, a Western, um, uh, just run-of-the-mill Aussie culture, I guess. Um, and so it was a lot more obvious for us that um, there were definitely different values that we grew up with. And um, in in the in the same way, like yes, you are forming your own family. And what we found is that it's basically we're both bringing, in a sense, or baggage or cultures um, from each other's culture into the marriage. And it's, it's a bit of an adjustment period, um, working out which ones are going to work for our family and which ones are not. So um, one thing that you might know about um, uh, Chinese households, uh, Indian households, um, other households, which is not as prevalent in Western households, is taking off your shoes. Um, it's got nothing to do, like, some of it does, but uh, at least for Nicole's family, it had nothing to do with respect or, or this is holy ground or, or whatever. It's cleanliness. Mm. And, um, and, and um, have you ever heard of outside clothes versus inside clothes? So that's a battle that I had to overcome. Um, we do not wear clothes outside and then go and lounge on the bed. And so that was something that Nicole brought, was, was brought up in. And in a sense, one of the things that I had to come to terms with, if this is going to make Nicole more comfortable, even though I don't see it that way, I'm, I'm actually going to implement it. Like, we, we are going to do it in our, our household because it, it, it makes Nicole feel safer. But also, I totally am on that side now. Um, take your shoes off if you come to our house because it saves... <laughs> It saves so much cleaning, like, like rather than cleaning the floors once a week, maybe we can extend it out to, you know, three, because everyone that comes into our house is not bringing the dirt in. Preach you know? it, brother, preach it. You know, that's, it's, it's just a standard thing. But, like, uh, another thing um, that, that I learned about Nicole's family is that, yeah, family is number one. And, and, and although I, I have a slightly different view... Um, especially if they're contradictory to, to, to living for God um, and living for Christ. But, but I, I, I respect that and I've seen so much beauty out of putting um, your... your, your, your um, like, like honouring your parents but to like the nth degree. Like this is, this is Chinese culture. Um, Nicole's mum goes overseas like 
when when we could when when we could go overseas. She went over like four times a year to see her mum. Um, for a long period of time, Nicole lived with her grandma because grandma had nowhere to stay. So so um, Nicole's mum and dad let her live um, in in her house uh, in in the house, and that was just part of the normal part of the family. And and it's it's amazing how yeah you can adopt parts of each other's culture and, and upbringing and go, actually, no, that's really going to work for our family. And to the point, and this, will, this is probably very contrary to the way you guys grew up, but, like, if my mum, um, you know, I'm not trying to put a curse or anything, you know, if mum becomes a widow, there is no question mum is, is staying with us, you know, and living with us as, as long as she wants. And in the same degree, um, one of either Nicole's dad or Nicole's mum they're coming and living with us um, because it's, it's such a, a beautiful thing that I've seen in Chinese culture that, that I, I love. And then there's other parts of Chinese culture that Nicole and I agree with. That probably doesn't have a place in our marriage. And in the same, same regard, like, you, you take so much baggage. Sorry, I'm going on a, on a loop here. And it's definitely about you guys who have so much more wisdom than I, but these are just the things that I've learnt. Um, yeah, the things that I've learnt. Like, the way I learnt to deal with conflict is very different to the way that Nicole learn to deal with conflict so I watched and witnessed and observed my parents yell at each other and scream at each other and cry at each other whereas Nicole never saw that or it was a lot less and the way that they dealt with conflict was very different I got yelled at and 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 then and then cried and that was how conflict was dealt with as a as a father and um, father and a son or a mother and a son whereas Nicole's was very different and so through no fault of my own knowing that that was wrong I brought that into our marriage and so when Nicole and I first started having conflict, my natural was to raise my voice, to antagonise, to really push in, to shut down any question. And you know what happened, which had never happened to Nicole in her own life? She had a panic attack. She seized up. She couldn't feel her limbs. It was so scary. Um, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because she had never dealt with it and I had been in that. And so you need to be sensitive to that when you're, when you're dating um, you need to, and this is the great thing about premarital counselling or the, the pre-marriage course, some of these things, like, that's the point. Like, like you, you talk about these things, you deal with these things. How do your parents deal with conflict? How might you um, think that is the right way or the wrong way? What does it say in the Bible about dealing with conflict? And, and you know, that's going to help you. So for, for people that are engaged, you know, Belle and, um, and, and Lockie, and, and we've got Darcy and um, uh, Rose, um, who... <laughs> There's a lot of people in church. Like, I, I don't, I, there's too many, um, which is great. Um, but, you know, yeah, take premarital counselling seriously. That is, that is the, the number one um, before you get married, um, that premarital counselling. Spending time with... Uh, and, for example, um, and, and if you don't know who to go to, Dan and Jenny will be doing premarital counselling. Um, and so, so um, for, for Bill and Lockie, um, go over, chat to them and say, when can we start? Um, the sooner you start, the better. Um, I, th I think that's all the questions. I think we can leave there. Um, that's, that, that's a really good way to finish. Like, we've gone from um, dating, um, how do you know the one, um, getting married, uh, values to look for, family life. So I think we've covered a really good basis. So I think we're going to leave it there. So how about we... Um, how about, yeah, have a clap for um, Danny, Jenny, Vivian, Wendy. If, you, if your questions weren't answered, um, yeah, they'll be around for a little bit longer. So you can, you, can, um, you can talk to them, um, more personal questions if you've got one that you don't want everyone to hear, that sort of thing. Um, but how about we just pray um, for, for tonight and what we've, we've experienced tonight and also for Viv and Wendy and Dan and Jenny and 
um, how blessed we are to have had them um, talk to us tonight. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you so much um, that you are a, a living God, a God that is relational, um, a, go- a God that um, or- ordains dating and marriage, but, uh, you know, at the top of, e- of everyone's, uh, of your list is that you ordain relationships with um, creator and created. And that is the number one in our life, um, but marriage is a special thing as well, and, and that is a way that we can honour God as well. Uh, thank you, Lord, for Dan and Jenny and, and for Viv and Wendy for their marriage. Um, you know, you, you're talking 30-plus years of, of marriage um, um, each, and that's amazing. Um, and that's a real testament to their steadfastness and, and how much they love God. Um, and, Lord, we just thank you for their wisdom tonight um, and, and how they've been able to share. And, Lord, for this congregation, for City PM, um, I pray, Lord, that we will yeah, kind of take this wisdom to heart and... and and when we're looking to date and when we're looking to get married, that we will seek first your kingdom. Uh, we will seek first um, um, what you have to say about all things in life, but especially dating and marriage and how we can um, honour you um, uh, by dating and by being married. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.